Hey everybody, and welcome to Learning From Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and today my guest is John DeSantis. John, I was reading his bio and his description, and I, and I love it. John says that basically he considers himself an average leader with above average intentions. That's not to say that his skills as a leader are inadequate, but kind of like this show is all about, there is always more to learn. He's a consultant with Rising Suns Consult with Rising Sun Consultants, which is based in Hershey, Pennsylvania, where they train and develop leaders at all levels of the organization using principles rooted in servant leadership and placing a strong emphasis on stakeholder involvement and the growth and development of people. John, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me, Rob, and I appreciate uh, considering me smart enough to be on your show. I really appreciate the uh, the compliment. <laughs> I, no problem. Listen, the premise of the show, and I think that my listeners may get tired of hearing me say this, the premise of the show is this. Uh, people in, who are smart surround themselves with smart people because no one person can know everything, and so rather than trying to know everything, I bring in people who do know things about, about areas that I don't. And as a result of that, um, I'm learning from you. And my, my goal is to pick up some nuggets of wisdom today. And hopefully my listeners can do the same. So, so tell me a little bit, you're, you're working with servant leadership. And tell me, what does that concept mean to you? To me, it's it's really about having this mindset where you're truly committed to to the betterment of of all those that you work with and you interact with. Um, it's it's having a, uh, a you know just a genuine desire to see others succeed, not just not just to succeed from an individual or personal standpoint, but to make all those around you better as well. Whether it's through training, interaction, feedback you know, aggressive goal setting, things like that um, to, to, again, you know, they, they say one of the measurements of leadership is not, you know, how well you lead, but how many leaders you create. And I, I fully believe that. And I think servant leadership gets to the root of that as well, that, um, you know, and you, again, you brought it up before, but the premise for your show that you feel like it's a benefit to you and your listeners to have a wide range of guests and to have different perspectives and, and really take in as much information as you can. And I think servant leadership speaks to that mentality as well is that there's this shared growth mindset that I'm not always gonna be the smartest person in the room. And quite frankly, I don't wanna present myself always in that, in that capacity as well. I, wanna, I want the room to, to be, uh, an environment where everyone feels comfortable sharing and, and we all leave that room smarter and, and more enlightened as a result of it. Yeah. In that way, it's a reminder that everybody has something to contribute to the conversation because everyone has their own perspective, their own background, their education, their experience. And as a result of that, we can learn from every single person that we come in contact with it. It, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so as you're doing this, can you give me some, you know, some parameters, how is it that you become a servant leader? How is it that you develop these skills? What's the, what are the tips that we get for starting? Well, the first tip that comes to mind, and, and it's, it's 
actually a little comical because my business partner and I, we, we actually just launched our own podcast and we feel like we could probably go back and, and, and make it the deliberate and intentional podcast because one of the first staples or, or principles that I, I wanted to talk about today is this notion of being very deliberate and very intentional in your approach. And, um, you know, an example of that as it pertains to, to not only servant leadership, but leadership overall is, is feedback. You know, a lot of times leaders, uh, you know, with their feedback, it's more, it's more reactive versus proactive, or, or maybe they're waiting till a problem surfaces before they, they really engage with their people. And servant leadership is not about being reactive. It's about being proactive, very deliberate. And, you know, that feedback is something that takes place regularly throughout the year, not just once a year at appraisal time or, or to address a problem that came up. Um, so uh, that's that notion of being deliberate and intentional to show that things like feedback, team building, those are priorities to a servant leader, because not only are they important in and of themselves, but they plant seeds for a, a bigger goal, which is, is relationship building and, and establishing trust. Um, you know, I'm sure those are two things you've probably heard time and time again in talking to other leaders, but you, you really can't underscore the importance of, of trust and establishing those relationships because when you bring in the, the, the notion of motivation and leaders get frustrated, I, I just don't know how to motivate my people. Servant leadership says, well, that motivation will be much easier when you establish that foundation for trust and you have that relationship because you've shown out of the gate right away that things like feedback and team building are a priority to you. And um, again, just something that I think can't be can't be underscored and uh, you know, can't be underscored enough when it comes to servant leadership. You know, it's, it's interesting you talk about motivation and I remember there's a story about there are two ways to motivate people. And the examples are one is a shepherd and one is a butcher, right? Both of them get sheep to move. Uh, the shepherd is leading the sheep and the sheep are following. At, the butcher is driving the sheep. And part of, part of what really makes the difference is what is the end goal? Because the butcher is ultimately driving the sheep for his benefit because he's going to be butchering them. He's going to be selling them. He's going, he, um, the shepherd is leading them for their benefit where they're going to grow and get pasture and, you know, have their needs taken care of. And it's just that difference in motivation. You're talking, you're talking about this concept of deliberate and intentional. I, I love those two words. Why did you pick those two words? Well, again, I think it speaks to the fact that when you are deliberate and intentional, it shows that those things, certain things are, are a priority to you. Um, again, you know, we talked about feedback, you know, team building is another one. Um, you know, you're probably familiar with the proverbial, you know, the annual retreat or the Christmas party or, or something that is a very small moment in time, but you're expecting long-term benefits from it. So when I say deliberate and intentional, I think it goes towards creating long-term benefits versus these benefits that are very short-lived and a lot of times almost seem disingenuous or, um, you know, what's the angle behind that? Okay, well, it's that time of year where it's, you know, we're ready for our annual retreat. So we're going to go away for, for a couple of days. We're going to do some trust falls, you know, things like that. And when you return to the office, I think there's this, um, you know, there's more inclination to say, okay, well, 
okay, we can check the box now for the team building event for the year and we'll get back to the status quo, which, which may be a very toxic culture in the first place. So, um, so when I say deliberate and intentional, I think it goes to show authenticity. I think it goes to show that, that things like team building, establishing relationships, um, feedback, those are priorities and they're staples to, uh, to servant leadership and really wanting to, to have a meaningful connection with your employees. Yeah, and in that way, the the work that's done in team building is done in conjunction with the office environment, right? Because doing doing team building exercises at a retreat, at a wherever it is, it's not in the office, it's not in the work environment, and you're building a team essentially in non work related ways, which may or may not be the the strongest way to do that. So. The other thing I was hearing you talk about is that concept of feedback and giving that con- the feedback being consistent and it's not just when it's time for your annual review is the first time that you sit down with someone and they tell you like you're doing a wonderful job with all this stuff but here's an area where you're falling down having that having that as an ongoing thing so that when you sit down for the evaluation um, it's not a surprise and there's nothing new in there. You're, it's just, you know, filling out the paperwork to document what you've talked about. And one of the, one of the concepts that you had mentioned in the show notes was about that, the concept of the feedback sandwich, right? Uh, can you tell me, first of all, tell me what is that feedback sandwich? And then is that a valuable thing or is that something we need to avoid? Right. Well, first of all, the, the, the notion or the concept of the compliment sandwich, as I understand it, is that when you when you need to deliver constructive criticism or constructive feedback, it's it's much easier, according to the concept, to, to deliver that that type of criticism or that type of feedback when it's sandwiched between two compliments or two forms of praise. And the research has shown that that's just not it's just not true that that type of criticism is well received. Um, number one, because the the praise or the you know the compliments um, are almost seem they almost seem as their their forced compliments because you're just trying to get through them to get to the real root of the issue, which is the constructive criticism. But at the same time, it uh, you, you know the person on the receiving end of that they you know they almost feel. Um, you know, they almost feel diminished in that in that you you were trying to just kind of shove that that constructive criticism in between something because you didn't want to have that truthful and, and heartfelt conversation. So the, the other part of your question was whether I, I see that as a, you know, as a legitimate way to deliver the criticism. And, and my answer is, frankly, no, it's not. It, it goes back to again. And, and again, we're going to we're going to call this the deliberate and intentional podcast when we're done as well, because I, I feel that applies again is that you're working to establish a relationship with the person that when it comes time to, and I'm not going to say all of your, your interactions are going to be easy. You're going to have to have difficult conversations, but I, I equate it to parenting. You know, when you, it's easier to give constructive criticism or constructive feedback when the foundation for caring, the foundation for respect has been set. So that's, that's the servant leadership approach to it is that you're working to cultivate a relationship that says, I care for you. I want to see you do the best you possibly can, but there's going to be times where we're going to have to have difficult conversations. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. We're going to talk about it. 
I'm not going to present that criticism to you in a way that makes you feel um, demeaned or, you know, is there any, any condescension with it, but it's really for your personal growth and development. So, um, so again, I brought that up because, and, and I don't know how prevalent it is in the industry anymore. It, I, I know that was a pretty popular term when I started my training and um, my guess is someone out there is probably still using it, but, um, but again, I, I think we need to get away from that and we need to work on the relationship, set that, that sturdy foundation so that it is easier to have those difficult conversations. Yeah, I can tell you that being on the receiving end of that compliment sandwich or the feedback sandwich, whatever it is that you call it, uh, you know, when, when your boss shows up and they say something nice to you, it just kind of immediately makes you wonder, okay, what's coming next? because I know that they didn't just come in here to tell me that they really like my shoes. Um, you know, they're coming in here, they've got bad news. So it's so funny. Uh, let me also just key off of one other thing that you said. Leadership is about building relationships, okay? And I, I'd love to hear you talk more about that concept, about how that, how that works, because to me, when I was 21, I had my spinal cord injury and I really had to think about what is life about to me? What do I want to do with my life? And I came to realize what I want to do is I want to build relationships. I want to invest in people. And that's ultimately where success lies for me. Does, does that make sense in a servant leadership model? And what are some tips? And I think you've given us some tips, but do you have further tips for developing those relationships? Well, we always like to say that, you know, knowledge is, is a mass through the books we read and the people we meet. You know, it's that combination of continuing to balance out the, the logical with the social. You know, we're, we're social beings by nature. And, um, you know, we we need to be excited about the knowledge that we are hearing and the knowledge that we're receiving so that we can use that knowledge to, we can put it into practice. So, um, so servant leadership is all about that. It, it's, it, it's understanding that, that human beings, again, by nature are, are social and um, we're going to interact with each other a lot. Um, you know, we, we want to take it a step further that the more we learn about that person as a human being outside of the office as well can contribute to the better relationship in the office. And again, deliberate and intentional because a lot of leaders don't want to invest that additional time or to them it's well, five o'clock now work John is done. Now personal John is going to go and that's a completely separate life. Servant leaders, it's all one and the same. I'm still John. I'm still just because the you know the shift has ended or the day has ended doesn't mean that I'm still not interested in you as a person. I want to know what what encompasses you outside of the office. I want to be a part of that, and uh, because again, it, it's planting those seeds and it's it's making a conscious effort to want to know everything about your people, because I, I think that helps what's excite you to to share ideas. It, it opens that door to say. Um, well, he really cares about me, so I don't have any reservations about uh, suggesting this as an idea because he's already set that tone that says he's interested in what I have to say. So 
again, from a, from a tip standpoint or a guide standpoint, I, I think it's really simple. And it's, it's to be that, that person that, that shows the desire that you want to learn about your people in all capacities, because I think that's what helps to drive creativity. It's what helps to drive innovation, deeper conversations, um, and ultimately a healthy culture in the end. You know, it's interesting that you talk about that, how you are the same person when you're, when you're getting up in the morning as you are when you're driving into work as you are when you are at work as you are when you're leaving. And, you know, I, I think about it. I remember there was an office that I heard of where they had a basket by the front door and it was called the issues basket. And it said, when you are coming into work, put all your personal issues in this basket. And um, when you're done with work, feel free to pick them back up again. Just make sure that you pick up your own. And I, there was part of me, I thought that was really funny, but I, there's a part of it that, that you're talking about that it's, it's impossible just to leave our issues at home or to leave the issues in the basket because what's going on in our home affects us at work and what's going on at work affects us at home. And it, it's really holistic. Um, it, it, is that a proper understanding of what you're talking about? Absolutely. And, and just another thought that comes to mind as we were chatting is, is, you know, when there is a problem at work, a lot of times we, you know, my, my business partner and I, we, we tend to say that you fill in the blanks. And when you fill in the blanks, most of the time you're going to fill them in with something negative, right? Someone is habitually late to work. Oh, they're oversleeping. You know, they're leaving late. Their their routine is flawed. Whatever it might be. So I think when you when those kind of problems start to develop, the more you know about someone, the more inclined that you are to ask questions. You know, dig deeper into that. You know, oh, I noticed you were you know you're showing up late. Is there a problem at home? You know, and maybe you find out that there is a problem. Maybe there's a sick child. Maybe there's some other issue that's preventing them from getting the work on time versus, well, they just don't care about their job. They're not motivated. They're not dedicated to the organization because if they were, they would be here on time. So I think it's all interconnected. I think the more that you, that you know about someone, the more that you understand their struggles, because like you said, I don't think you can leave them at the door. I think you need to talk about them. You need to bring them out because it may impact other parts of your relationship and other parts of your, of your job. Um, and, but it also it also puts you in a position that you're less inclined to to start filling in gaps or unknowns with negative conclusions. I find it really interesting that what you're saying because it becomes less about the leader and more about the person that is that they are leading. And so in that, it's not it's not a matter of I know what's wrong with you. I I can. I have the knowledge about you. I have the knowledge about what, what's going on. And I have the knowledge about fixing you. I know more than you. And that concept really flies in the face of what you're talking about with servant leadership, because there's a, a certain element of humility that goes along with that. Can you, can you tell me more about that idea of it being about, not about the leader, but about the people that are, um, you know, following, so to speak? Sure. Well, like I said, I think it starts with number one, it's a commitment to to not only servant leadership, but it's a commitment to uh, the greater good, the collective, uh, you know, a shared mindset of growth. And when you start your day like that every day saying, 
you know, I want my entire team, I want my organization to be successful, then I think that comes across in your approach. Um, I had put in the show notes about, you know, being humble, being nice and, and sharing information. And when you have that mindset for the greater good, I think that a certain element of kindness, a certain element of humility comes along with that because quite frankly, I, I can't see one without the other. I can't see a leader who is dedicated to the greater good, but but is a jerk behind closed doors. I can't see the leader who's dedicated to, you know, share growth, but then, um, you know, doesn't allow me to take advantage of certain training or doesn't offer certain training or, you know, doesn't, uh, uh, you know, challenge me with, with certain things like that. So I, they kind of go hand in hand and I'm not sure there's a way to really separate the two of them. So this, this notion of, of being humble, um, you know, it also gets, goes into that we as leaders, uh, you know, we're just as fallible. So there's that humility to your people and showing, hey, I messed up. I made a mistake. I take ownership of it because we're going to expect the same from our people, right? We want to hold them accountable. We want them to, to take ownership for, you know, for their, for their mistakes as well. Um, so it starts with us. You know, we talk about culture and leaders are the most, um, you know, the most visual example of culture in an organization. So if I'm not showing that level of humility or that level of ownership, I shouldn't expect my people to, to show that level of it as well. Um, so, uh, and again, I brought up about, you know, sharing knowledge as well. Servant leaderships are leaders are humble enough that, um, you know, they want to share that information. They want other people to have the resources and the tools they need to do their job well, um, but also to continue to build them up. You know, a lot of times there's, uh, you know, servant leaders spend a lot of time building up their people. And then the argument against servant leadership is, oh, well, they just took those skills and took it to another organization. And our response to that is, well, you know what, if we made them the best version of themselves that we could while they were under us and they opted to take that and, and, and take full advantage of another opportunity somewhere else, then, you know, we, we, we say good for them. Okay. Um, there's no animosity. We don't look at them any differently um, because that's what we've signed on to do. That's what we're committed to doing as servant leaders, which is to bring out the best to, to arm them with knowledge and skills and the tools they need to, um, to take advantage of, of the opportunities that life throws at them, whether it's for us or for another organization in the long run. So what I'm hearing you say is it's about creating an environment where growth is possible and helping people to grow and strengthen and then what they do with that growth and what they do with that empowerment and that strength is not it's not a reflection on you where it says like they, you know, LeBron, he took his, uh, he took his skills to South beach. Right. And, you know, made the quote unquote big decision. That's not what it's about, but it was about the process that helped the individual to grow and, and to become, you know, really a, a more powerful and skilled version of themselves. Well, and in addition to that, it's also helping them realize, maybe I helped them realize a passion that they didn't knew existed before. So, you know, as we're cultivating that relationship, as we're, as I'm challenging them, 
you know, maybe they come across a new skill or something that that they were introduced to as a result of being challenged that that led them to to decide, okay, well, maybe my current position isn't fulfilling my passion. Maybe my passion is to do X. Maybe it's to do this. So I don't want to stifle that passion. I don't want to prevent them from exploring those opportunities. Um, you know, I want people to to uh, you know really make the most of of who they are and the passions that they possess. And again, ideally, what I'd like that to be for me, what I like it to be in my organization, absolutely. But um, but again, I don't want to I don't want to stifle that growth or or that passion. I want to help them realize that passion, and then and then wish them the best if they decide to take that passion elsewhere. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, just. I, my last question for you is this, what is, what does servant leadership look like in a pandemic? Is it, does it, does it show up more? Does it show up less? Is it something that draws it out? What is, what does it look like with what's going on? Um, interesting question. And I know we, we talked about this a little bit before the show and um, my response to that was, you know, don't wait for a pandemic to to be a servant leader. And I think it comes up or has come up a lot recently because with more employees working from home, more people being laid off, um, more challenges coming up with trying to make that work from home lifestyle conducive. Um, you're starting to see more more uh, literature, more recommendations to check in with the members of your team. How are they doing at home? How are they adjusting to that type of lifestyle? Um, what new challenges have surfaced? And it, it, it makes me laugh a little bit because these are all principles that we have preached outside of the pandemic. Again, mm -hmm. we talked about it earlier in our conversation here today. Developing that relationship, checking in with your people is not just something that should be tied to the pandemic. Um, that should be something that's a staple in your leadership uh, style. Because again, we go back to team building. Like I said, it's not about trust falls and corporate retreats. It's about showing that you genuinely care to have them as part of your team and you're concerned about the struggles that they're dealing with. Um, from the flip side of it, you know, servant leadership is also about being good stewards as well. And you, you see stories during the pandemic of companies who are maybe they're they're contributing more to charities during this time, or maybe they found a way to take existing resources or processes and meet a different need. And and don't get me wrong, that's admirable. I'm glad that that some companies have taken the time to do that. But servant leadership is about always keeping those kind of things in mind and looking at, okay, you know, we had a very profitable year, let's share the wealth, or mm -hmm. we're in a position to help someone um, because, you know, we are doing really well right now, so we are going to help them. We're not going to wait till there's a pandemic to, you know, to express our generosity or to show our versatility. Um, we're always going to be looking at things like that because we feel at the end of the day, when we go to look in the mirror, you know, we're comfortable with that type of leadership and we feel like that that was the best way to to approach it. it makes a whole lot of sense. Hey, listen, John, thanks for being on the show. If people are looking to find you on the web, where can they find you? Sure. Well, they can go to our website. We're at risingsunconsultants.com. We're on Facebook. Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, a uh, multitude of ways to reach out to us. Um, with yep. your permission, is it okay to, uh, to plug our, our podcast? Would you be okay with that? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, 
uh, just recently launched our podcast as well. It's called Leadership Insight with Rising Sun. Um, check it out. A lot of uh, the great tools and tips that you heard here today will be uh, reiterated through our podcast. And uh, we're, uh, we're anxious to reach out to, uh, to a, a whole other uh, group of listeners. And um, I'm just very grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to be a guest on your show today, Rob. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, no problem. Um, and I will put links to all of that, including your podcast, because what I believe is that um, it's not that we're in competition. It's the fact that we're all in this together and a rising tide lifts all boats. So I'm happy to, to link to your podcast and if folks can learn from that as well, that's great. Uh, listen, John, you have been extremely generous as well. Uh, you offered that five of my listeners will be eligible to win a a copy of your new book. And so here's what I'm going to do for all my listeners. I, wherever you find this, um, follow on Twitter, on Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever it is. I, I'm going to, if you put a comment there, I am going to randomly select five of the commenters and you will win a free copy of the book. We'll get in touch with you, tell you how to um, tell you what I need. I need your address and shipping stuff. And we'll get that all sent out to you. That is so generous and I appreciate it. John, last thing before we go, it's time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for this? I am. What's one thing that instantly makes your day better? Um, seeing my children first thing in the morning. Um, my wife, uh, she does a, a devotional with them. And then uh, normally I start working probably before they wake up in the morning. But, uh, but when they do their devotional and then she brings them in, we kind of just have a quick prayer to start the day as well. So uh, just kind of starting my day grounded and, um, and spending time with them, especially since everybody's been home as well. It's been, uh, you know, it's been nice from that standpoint. I'm not going to say that I'm not getting a little, <laughs> a little cabin fever, but, uh, but starting my day off like that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any it's beautiful man I, did you have a favorite tv show when you were growing up oh so many to choose from and i know you've thrown out a couple of uh of uh references to uh karate kid and uh some uh now i know that's a movie not a television right. show but uh um i'm gonna say that the television show coach do you remember that hayden yeah. fox yep um Big fan of that show. You remember uh, Dauber and Luther and uh, right. just a great supporting cast and uh, sports theme. So, of course, who doesn't love a good uh, football-based sitcom? I mean, it was kind of the best of both worlds. So, uh, very passionate guy. Uh, maybe not as much of a servant leader as I would like, but uh, just, a, just a great, great guy, passionate guy and a very uh, energetic character. So, that's the show I'm going to throw out. There you go. I, I'm quite okay with that. It, you ready? Your random fact of the day is um, the character or the actor who played Dauber is actually the voice for Patrick the Starfish on uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Why I know that, not 100% sure. I, I uh, did know that. Um, we, we do go back and forth with that show. Uh, not necessarily on a lot in this house, but uh, I, did, uh, I, I did recognize that voice one day, and I think I pointed out to my wife as well. So it's kind it, of a signature voice. So. It is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, last question for you. You're based out near Hershey. Uh, does, are, are you a chocolate fan? 
I am, although full disclosure, I've, uh, I, I'm trying to wean myself off of, of sugar. So I haven't had a lot of chocolate lately. Um, it's kind of a self-imposed uh, challenge that I'm going through now just to, as I'm getting older in life, just to see if the, uh, if the, the, the body can transform in a positive way, uh, even, even further. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I am definitely a, a big chocolate fan. And to me, uh, Hershey's, uh, they, uh, they rule the roost. So. Okay. So if you had to choose one of the Hershey bars to go with, um, what's your, what's your go-to? Uh, for me, it, and it's actually all under the same umbrella, but it's, uh, for me, it's the peanut butter cups. There you go. I can't get, can't get enough of them. So, uh, whether they're, uh, I know you say you can keep them in the freezer and, and enjoy them cold or uh, room temperature. It doesn't matter. Chocolate and peanut butter. It's a winning combination every time. So. Fantastic. I'm a huge fan of the dark peanut butter cups, but that's all good. Listen, Fair enough. John, thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, to my listeners, I will remind you that you can get a free copy of the book. All you need to do is comment on whatever platform, whatever of our social media platforms you can find. And I will be randomly choosing uh, from the date of this broadcast. I'm going to give you a week. And um, at the end of seven days, I will pick that winner and we'll go from there. So John, again, thanks for being on. And to all my listeners, I will remind you as always, when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.